0: In a format where people try to always be right, we're comfortable being mostly wrong.
1: Hello, and
2: welcome to, what is our show called again? Oh yeah, mostly, (laughs) you can cut that out, right? (laughs) Sure, yeah, I'll totally do that. I'm Mark Jackson, and I'm here with Ryan. Hi. Hello. What's up? I'm waving. Okay. And hi, Matt. (laughs) Hi, Mark. I'm hosting again. Host with the most. Don't really know much what more to say, so we'll just jump right into (laughs) it. How about that? (laughs) That's fine. Brian, you have, according to the show notes, it says something about a surprise to be revealed.
1: I guess we'll just dive into that since it is uh, the first uh, bullet point there. So um, I finished doing. Nice. You no, know, I finished it uh, on the way to work this morning. So like I spent all day kind of like, uh, well, not all day, you know, basically on breaks and stuff, but looking up some stuff. And I, I, I got some notes and. Um, basically i'm still digesting it you know i've uh, decided that i wanted to watch uh the 1984 film 1st mm, yeah, just to okay. kind of mm-hmm. all right yes because i wanted to get the full experience you know i want to like how you guys did like you both probably watched that before you watched the this recent one so i wanted sure. to watch that yeah, one that's all we had yeah. yeah i i wrote i wrote down some notes um because the whole book, I was waiting for the specific quote that I remember hearing so many people say over and over and over. The spice must flow. The spice must flow. <laughs> and that is nowhere in the book. <laughs> because think- it is in the movie, and I looked this up, you know, that it is in, in the David Lynch movie and it does not appear in any of the novels. Mm-hmm. So there are some. Talking about like flowing spice And something like that when he's talking To the emperor at the end you know And so like I think he when he Wrote that line into the film You know I think He paraphrased look, Yeah mm-hmm. so Spoiler
2: alert <laughs> the the David Lynch movie Is nothing like the book
1: So what's Interesting about that <laughs> is I was Like um, uh Forgetting because I, I basically was I couldn't picture a lot of the faces, you know, um, uh, when I was listening to it. And so, mm-hmm. like, I kind of pulled up from time to time the cast list for both the 2021 and the 1984 to see, like, which actors played which. You know, mm-hmm. so Patrick Stewart um, played... Uh, Gurney. Gurney, yeah. And um, then... James Brolin plays the same character in the 2021. Mm-hmm. So, like, so I had those two, like, whenever I would have that character, you know, I could see, like, both of those, you know, and then, so, like, I went through, and I went through some of the pictures for the movie, and I, like, found out that Fade Ratha in the 1984 film was played by Sting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you feel so about I'm that? Very, I'm very excited about that that battle scene in the end because the the I said I enjoy both of Paul's melee fights first with Jameis and then at the very end with Fade Ratha. Mm-hmm. So his knife fights, his melee fights. So and I at least know one of them is in the movie because there was a picture of Sting in his like you know tiny like metal you know uh, underwear or whatever. So I at least mm-hmm. know that's in the movie. <laughs> so I'm excited to see how they portray that. Um, so I, I don't know if the scene will be in the movie, at least the 1984 one where Jessica drinks the poisonous water of life in the book. That was so cool. Like how the, um, the Fremen, I can't remember the, what, like, I'm still digesting and learning all the, uh, terminology. It's the, what's the, um, the woman that like entered her mind she was totally surprised It's like why didn't you tell us you were pregnant you know and mm-hmm. like the unborn child and that what is it the uh, her, the sister Aliyah, you know is basically taking on how, how was it was kind of like a genetic almost mind melt type thing mm-hmm. with jessica and right. i thought that was like kind of that was kind of mind-blowing and then for the time jump, I had to read later because it seemed much longer. The, unless the Wikipedia article was wrong, it said the time jump between um, when that ended to when the prophet cap- or book started in the whole thing was two years. Mm-hmm. And then so Aaliyah is like two years old when she's like confronting like the emperor and the <laughs> baron, you know, at the end. And that just seemed kind of like, I don't know weird to have like a toddler like saying all this stuff
0: i agree i don't think i ever thought about that i always assumed that she was like a precocious like five or six year old at least
1: so they there's reference in the book that talks about like uh uh, paul being 15 and then it's something about being like three years later and so i I think the wikipedia article might have been a little bit long so i kind of thought she might have been like four or five and they were just kind of like you know, because there were um, references to in the Baron chapters about um, when Fae Brotha fought, fought the slave in the pits mm-hmm. and how that was so long ago and how he cheated, you know, by using the different blades.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So anyway, super into the book, super into him riding sandworms and all that <laughs> kind of
0: stuff.
1: So <laughs> like, um,
0: yeah, the sad I'm part still, is the um the new movie barely touches on like a third of that so
1: so that's that's crazy to me i don't want to know too much about it cuz i kind of want to be kind of surprised mm-hmm. like i know the 1984 is an all encompassing you right. know but i don't know and so i so i i'm not i don't i don't want to know where this new movie okay. ends you know yeah. and so like i just kind of want to be surprised like where it is and then then i'll go we can discuss it so my okay. plan is I have a uh, day off this Friday, which uh, Matt and I were going to go see the Eternals. Yay, yay! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there was much uh, rejoicing. <laughs>
1: so,
0: no, our, the, the show there wasn't for that much is rejoicing.
1: Like eleven, I think our showtime's time's eleven forty. So I think I'm going to try to watch at least one of the. I'll probably watch the uh, 1984. So at least we can, and then we're going to get lunch after the movie. So I think we're going to discuss that and then probably, probably discuss that more than the Eternals. I think (laughs) (laughs) So
2: is the household into seeing the movie Dune,
1: the new one anyway. Um, I, I I don't know. I haven't really, I'm just going to watch it on my own probably. So I'm not too worried about it to be honest. (laughs) Um, and uh, I liked it so much, I started Dune Messiah on the way home from work today.
0: Nice. So how are you feeling about that? Because there's a significant time jump there from what I've heard.
1: Yes. Um, Do you want to know?
0: You you know what? No, because honestly, I've put off not reading it for so long just because i've i'm kind of embarrassed because people have said that they're weaker like they get weaker as they go but i kind of drilled down deeper into people's opinions and <clears throat> it's worse for people that want more of the same but as far as like an equally compelling like continuation of the history and the, the world and the universe it's supposed yeah. to be just as good
1: okay uh, yeah so the the first book was 21 hours this one's eight so mm-hmm. it's gonna go a lot quicker Right. And then I already got the third book, which is 16. So All I've heard is the, that
0: basically all of um, Frank Herbert's books are at least decent. And then yeah. Brian's, I think, are very hit or miss, depending on what you want out of yeah.
1: it. So, I mean, they're all, there's 17, according to the list. Uh, let me count them here. One, one two, three, four. So
0: this is compelling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I have a in we it. should really was, incorporate uh, more okay. counting things uh, as uh, a segment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't counted in my uh, <laughs> Word document. So, uh, no, it was uh, – sev- they're 17, and uh, they're all on Audible, so I'll be able to at some point, you know, listen to them all. Right. So, But, yeah, it's kind of weird the way that the order is because – like, um, I think some of them are like a, a prequel that start before mm-hmm. because the chronological order is different than the written order.
0: I'm one of those people that prefers like order the order things are published or originally released, yeah, because it's so more like, organic to, to the process. Like, I don't know.
1: So, Dune, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune are like one, two, and three in the like published order but they're like 12, 13, 14 in the chronological order of this whole entire series right so like whenever what's his name Brian or whatever I don't know the author's name well it's Brian Herbert with uh okay um,
0: the co-author is the guy that wrote a bunch of Star Wars novels I have to look it up fill time (laughs) okay
2: well do you want to move on to the next topic while Matt's looking that up
1: Um, I I had one more thing Um, I'm still not entirely clear on how the supernatural abilities of the Bene work like his time vision and stuff like that so I think I'm probably going to like research it more or just kind of like because I think it's just you're supposed to accept that it does work you know like in the Dune universe you know but like, whenever that kind of stuff would happen where he could, like, see the future or, like, have his, like, kind of time visions, I was just, like, I, I didn't really understand why it was happening. I know some of that was kind of because of the spice and everything, but, like, why the spice made it work with his, you know, Benny Jesserit training and stuff. Like, I don't know if it was explained enough, well or if I missed it. And, see, I think a reread at some point might help or maybe the movies will help.
0: There is like, an element of abstraction to it mm-hmm. um i feel like part of what makes the world feel lived in is that it's a thing that occurs that they don't feel the need to like explain when you go too far you end up with chlorians, and <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i'm not even like a huge hater of it like i understand where they were coming from it but it's like having that mystery i think makes it more interesting long term like the worst thing you can do is just Remove all mystery or doubt from a from a fictional property, in my right, opinion. You're
1: absolutely right. Like, I'm reading this book almost 50 years after it was published. You know, 1965 was when it was first published. So, mm-hmm. you know, all this technology we have now and everything. And he wrote it. You know, he probably started writing it in the early 60s, which is just mind-blowing. You know?
0: Well, the cool thing, the cool conceit that he had... um was the whole idea that they were very high technology civilization, but then due to like that cataclysmic event, um, the, yeah. the jihad, they cut back on all of it and they severely restricted the amount of technology they would allow anybody to use from that point forward. So right. it made it to where there could be things that are recognizable, but he didn't have to go too far with the tech. Like he didn't have to predict too much. So it kept it within the realm of plausibility in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there was one other scene in the book that I really liked was when, uh, Paul and Jessica escaped and they were in the desert and they, he had to use the training to find like their pack, their pack got buried in the sand Mm -hmm. and they had to like dig it out. And there was some talk, there was something about a compass. He had to break apart his compass and he had to use, I think it was water and spice to make this like green foam, mm-hmm. and it was like holding back the sand, right? And I, I didn't even understand how that worked. <laughs> you know, it just like, you know, I think so. I think that's the abstraction you're talking about. Like, right. you know, like why is the spice and the water so magical, where it, like it creates a barrier for the sand for a temporary time, you know, where they could like get the the backpack for a little bit. And
0: yeah, and honestly, like, I got nothing for you on that one. Well, <laughs> like,
1: because it was the only time in the book where it happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, but it was it was Jessica talking about how he just, like, Paul's kind of, like, um, I think she called him a genius in that moment where he, like, knew how to do it mm-hmm. somehow. You know, being able to take whatever the... I can't even remember what type of compass it was. And yeah, it's also, the whole,
0: like, he'll take to our ways as though born to them.
1: Yeah, and... Every time they use the, um, I think they're, they still call them binoculars, but they you they called them oil lenses. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really neat how you just described them as just a different take on it. Yeah. You know, like you, just so you imagine them. Well, so let me ask like you a, this, like
0: once you were listening to the audio version of it, were you pretty much immediately engaged or was there still a, a period where it took you a while so, to ramp up?
1: Um, yeah. No, I was pretty immediately engaged. Um, because I think I had done about a hundred pages of reading mm-hmm. and it was listening was kind of rereading it, so it was kind of re engaging me mm-hmm. and the uh, initial hundred pages are with him and the Gom Gom Jabart test. And yep. so like listening to whole all of that with the voice cast and there's music in the background, it just kinda like it it was it helped me like it helped suck me in even more. Like I probably would have been engaged from the start, but mm-hmm. knowing what was coming and knowing how it was all described, you know, initially, like kinda I think helped helped even more with the audio version.
0: Yeah, and that scene is really intense in the movie too. It's really yeah. good. Very
1: well realized. Okay. But well I can't wait. So yeah, I'm thinking I could do the First one before on Friday, and then when we get back, I could probably do the second one. Mm-hmm. If not then, at another time, maybe, like, Saturday morning or something. I'm just glad you like it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, the, the, the abstraction, I will admit, is, can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to lie. Like, you, you definitely... There are times where you want more. You want more in-depth explanation. Well, and but,
0: there is going to be because they don't get to seventeen books without kind of explaining it. Yeah. But the thing is, yeah. I never took that dive deep dive. So there's probably answers for everything you've asked about, but I haven't, you know, been there yet. So
1: sure, and that's kind of like where my whole, like where we the in conclusion, that's where I want to go. I want to like talk about it more. I mean, we've had, you know, how many, you know. 40 plus years to talk about star Wars and everything. So mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> talk about it to death. So we can do that with Dune now too.
0: Yeah. I kind of hope like if they do mainline books or the main six or something, which is kind of like optimistic thinking, but it's a universe that's really rife for like mini series treatment. Like it would be yeah. a good series, like a prestige HBO type thing.
1: Well, I mean, it, because it is on HBO Max, like I would be surprised, you know, if they like, I don't know if they would keep the same actors, but going from like the the movie to
0: I think the, the prequel stuff showing like Jessica yeah.
1: and uh,
0: uh, Leto's, you know, early years, because that's touched upon already. Like there's yeah. the prequel stuff. I think that would be interesting.
1: Yeah. So for sure. Nice what else we got all right um well for sticking with me i did finish um only murders in the building so i don't know if we can talk about that because i don't think you've seen it yet matt
0: (laughs) no i haven't what's your what's your overall thought about it
1: so i i enjoyed it um (laughs) mark you sound less (laughs) than
0: i don't know enthusiastic though
1: well it's um I guess there was a lot of hype to it, and um, it wasn't a complete knockout for me, but I definitely enjoyed my, to- my, my time watching it. So, um, And it, it is getting a season two, and it did set it up for, you know, I'm interested to watch a season two. Okay. So, but overall, like, I thought the entire season one was good. I did enjoy it. Okay. Or season one, did I say season two? I, whatever I said that. <laughs> um, and then, um, have either of you heard of a show called American Rust on Showtime? No, not at all. No. So it is with um, uh, Jeff Jeff Daniels, mm-hmm. right? He's okay. the one from, uh, from Dumb and Dumber? I mean, okay. yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Like all these Jeffs, like the Rolodex in my head. You know, Gold you know, all the others. Like, and I was like, it's got to be, it's the, the dumb and dumber one. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's him and, uh, of Tierney. And, uh, they're the kind of the two main ones mm-hmm. of the actors. And, um, it's, it's, it takes place in Pennsylvania. He is a, uh, he's the police chief and she is, um, Basically, works at uh, the town. Like she's a seamstress at like a dress shop in the town, mm-hmm. and the whole uh, the there is a murder that takes place in the town, and um, the Jeff Daniels character has to like uncover who it is, and um, it's just kind of like. It's a murder mystery, and, like, (laughs) it's a murder mystery that you find out who it is in, like, the first or second episode. So, like, I can't really talk more about it, but then, like, it's how those characters deal with that, and when they know who it is, and how that all unfolds. Okay.
0: It almost reminds me, did you watch that Kate Winslet series, uh, Mayor of Easttown?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. You're almost giving me that kind of vibe from it. It is. I I would, yeah, it's like uh, of that caliber, I think.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I I like that kind of small town murder mystery vibe. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It's it's definitely, and there's drug dealers in the town and there's some involvement there Mm and some shady shit going on. So, you know, that kind of gets into the mix. So... And it's it is a small town kind of like character piece Mm kind of thing with all the different characters of the town. Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, it's American Rust kind of like Rust Belt. Just kind of yeah, I mean Pennsylvania, and it's kind of like all the old manufacturing
0: towns that are dead because it's Mm -hmm. left.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's nine episodes. So it's uh, definitely a recommend. We just finished it because it finished this past Sunday. All right. Um, More to the list. (laughs) Yes. So, um, and this is one I I want to have you guys tell this story again because I think we touched on a couple episodes ago about uh, the the Game of Thrones incident where uh, (laughs) you, Mark, recommended (laughs) to you know so basically just tell this story real quick because then it'll you'll get. Why I'm, I'm bringing this up when I talk about my next show. Okay. So, Mark's had to hear this a lot.
0: I'm always yeah. browbeating him about it. But the way it goes is, I came to Game of Thrones a little earlier than everybody else, but not as early because I think the first book came out in 96 and I didn't come across it until 2002. And right around then, I knew that, you know, the, the dark political nature. I was certain it would appeal to Mark, knowing his sensibilities. And for literally years, <laughs> anytime we would get together, I would say, "Hey, Game of Thrones! You should look into it. It's really good. Um, you should check it out." And like to his credit, like he would at least pretend like he was listening. It's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that does sound good. That sounds good." And then fast forward to when was it? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Was it? Was it then? Yeah, ten. Um, the show is announced on HBO and Mark has the unmitigated gall to come to me in all earnestness. And he says, have you seen this show called Game of Thrones? It looks incredible. And I was like, I'm going to literally rip your throat out of your neck (laughs) 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 and stuff it back in your neck. I was furious. And long story short, like it was just one of those things that I knew he would and he immediately connected to it, but I always give him shit about it.
1: So... I had a Game of Thrones moment and see, that's why I had a Game of Thrones moment with my sister regarding the show called the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're at, uh, lunch this past weekend and we were, uh, we were talking about the show and I was like, Hey, there's a show that Steph and I had been watching on HBO and we, it's really funny. We just finished it. It's called the other two. And she was like, are you serious? I, literally recommended that to you like (laughs) three or four times and you know she talked about it being kind of like a tina fey kind of style comedy because it's uh produced by lauren michaels okay and so the premise of the show is um two older siblings are basically living in the shadow of their younger brother who is 13 and gets discovered because he makes a song puts it on YouTube and it gets like 28 million views. And then he becomes famous and he goes like on morning shows and the mom is Molly Shannon and like basically gets kind of like a record deal. And so the show is about the sis, the older sister and the middle child, the brother. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just, it's a really kind of like almost a 30 rock style, like quirky comedy, you know, the way that it's a, like 30 minutes and it's just the way it's set up it is hilarious well
0: i'm here for it because it's like i was talking about this with jennifer the other day it seems like there's a lack of comedic shows and movies lately
1: oh there it's it's a very like um lots of kind of like cringy dad jokey but like almost uh, hilarious after the fact too, where you like, I can't believe they just did this joke, and it is cringy, hilarious. Okay, you know, like happening to the characters. So, what's it called and again? There was you two, the other, uh, the other two, the other two. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it's on HBO Max, and there was at the end of season two, there was something that happened to the brother that I, I almost threw up laughing. I was laughing so. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, and then, um, for my final two shows of the week, uh, we have watched the first episode of Dexter, the new blood, the, the, the new series that came out. Okay. Um, really good. Have you both seen the original series? I'm assuming.
0: I never finished it. I started or okay. I let la- So tonight, literally we have the season finale of season six where okay. Deb walks in on him killing uh Colin Hanks. So, okay. and I know, but I don't really know anything that happens after that. And I know that he somehow ends up like a lumberjack, which was really contentious, okay. but um I don't know what happened to his son. I don't under- know what happened to Deb. So, you feel like okay. it picks up in a strong way.
1: So, um they I I, I don't even know if it's the same showrunner that's doing this new show from the old one, but um, I felt that yes, it it was a very strong first episode in setting up for the new season in a very strong way. Okay, so it 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 impressed me more than I thought it would. So okay. like it just it it like uh, in my opinion, it feels like Dexter's back, and I was really happy. <laughs> now, Sweet. did you go
2: back and re 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 watch all of Dexter before no. watching
1: this? Uh, no, no, okay. no, like um. I, I was such a fan that I, I, you know, kind of remembered every. I think I'd seen it. Maybe I've watched it twice. Okay. So and Stephanie had seen this too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. She had watched it before, you know, okay. we got together. And then this other show that premiered this week, it's a brand new show on Showtime that we've been seeing trailers for because American Rust is also on Showtime. And so mm-hmm. we've been seeing like – they always show like a promo shot before you watch a new show. And so it's called yellow jackets. Um, it is about, um, a, a girl's soccer team that is going to nationals in 1996 that crashes their plane crashes. And it's a story told in two times. This told, told in 1996 and it's told in 2021. And not all of the um, girls survive. Not all the, yeah, not all of them survive. And it's a little Lord of the Flies situation. Hmm. So So, it's almost like,
0: well, I guess Donner Party, like that movie Alive based on that Brazilian soccer team.
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's very, the first episode was um, kind of interesting. The way they set it up, I want to see more
0: and so it's probably two casts right a teenage cast and then an adult cast kind of like correct
1: yeah it's um christina ricci and an adult cast uh juliette lewis um and then you you would recognize the other two adults i don't reckon i don't know the actress's names but um like you would be like oh i I, i've seen him before or something all right
0: so it sounds interesting too you're yeah. dr- drowning me in shows <laughs>
1: i know like i will I know, never catch up like, on this <laughs> i know but the, the the showtime is kind of like you know it's only 7.99 for a month and like we feel we're getting our monies you know at least with the stuff that we watch on there and so it's been real real surprising and rewarding to us you know because like hbo max is the one that's Uh, a little bit pricier but my brother happened to get um some crazy deal where he gets it for free because he signed up for at&t fiber so he was like hey you want a a a profile and we were like sure so (laughs) you know we don't have to pay for it anymore but you know like happy he did that for us otherwise we'd be paying for that too um but, you know, there's a, you know the joke that's been going around Reddit for years Where, like, somebody should bundle up all these streaming services And offer you a package <laughs> You know, they could call it, you know, streaming plus Like cable Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, um, in conclusion for my portion I haven't had chance to play any other games this week Because we went to the Bengals game And uh, so I just played Guild Wars 2 when I had time All right I'll stop you there. Yes.
2: So I, on the other hand, uh, have tried I've not tried. I have played other games this week. Um, I actually have fired back up Elder Scrolls Online again. Hmm. Um, I created a new character and I wanted to try out the, the Elsewhere uh, expansion, which is the expansion that deals with the Khajiit, which are the cat folk has where is, is that
1: the most current one no no the most oh. current
2: one is blackwood uh, okay. elsewhere is like
0: two expansions
2: back from that like hmm. there was the skyrim expansion and then the black they
0: had a morrowind one right
2: yeah this was after morrowind okay um but it it it's kind of like in like i said it takes place in the khajiit area which is like uh north elsewhere and um uh it's kind of like a deserty type of uh setting, and uh i'm re- I'm enjoying it the story that's going on with it right now it involves dragons as well so so how does it uh, fare
0: compared to Guild wars
2: well okay so it doesn't really um first of all <laughs> PSO is not tab targeting
0: mm-hmm.
2: so it's essentially Skyrim uh combat um but it's more story driven mm-hmm. and um at the time when I was really into it uh over the summer that was my main reason for playing it was cuz it felt like every every quest even the side quests are like top notch like written like there are their own like story mini stories within the overall story Um, and yeah, elsewhere is more of the same. And, um, I'm just, I really enjoy that. Okay. Um, So,
0: I mean, what's the preference between the two or they, or do they both scratch different itches?
2: They they both, they scratch different itches. Okay. Like Guild Wars. So they don't
0: compete for your attention or affection basically?
2: No, no. Um, Guild Wars is more like the World of Warcraft itch Mm -hmm. for me. The true MMO experience. ESO is more like an RPG experience okay yet yeah, that just so happens to be a multiplayer game but i play it completely solo and you can do it completely solo mm-hmm. um they don't hold you back or restrict you on any of that i just the story is very gripping everybody talks to you it's all voice acted and it's all like uh really well voice acted um and it looks really good on the series x with uh oh, we they came out uh in the summer with a series x update that improved the fidelity of it on the console and it, you you've got you know two you got your quality setting or your performance setting which honestly I can't tell the difference between <laughs> the two other than the when you go to performance you get 60 frames right. which is great um but um but yeah no it's if i just really want to sit down and do play for a little bit and get some good story. That's a good that's kind of like my kind of go to right now, um, for it. Um. So moving on, uh, the other game I played uh, was Forza Five.
0: Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that screenshot, like you commenting to Scott Johnson. I didn't think that you were a racing <laughs> game guy.
2: Okay, so I'm not. But this isn't really. A, I mean, yes, it's a racing game in the sense that you're doing races. But it's a but really, so in
0: every sense that makes it a racing game. It is a racing. It's game. an open world <laughs> racing game. Let's put it that way. So it's an open so, world. What was that?
2: Racing game. So, so racing game. <laughs> it's not like Gran Turismo where you're just going from race to race. Right. In between in in, in between races, <laughs> you, you can drive race. around and do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really fun and you get to it's more arcadey than like gran turismo or even the like uh uh, actual forza games Mm -hmm. so but you still have (laughs) this one's
0: set in mexico is that right yeah yeah
2: the last one was uh four was in uh england and three was in australia so each game is at a different locale okay so but the map is huge. This one I, they say is the biggest map of all of the Forza Horizon
0: games. Mm-hmm. So, so I is there like, like well. are there like emergent right. races? Are you going to be like driving down a road and then maybe have somebody like speed up on you and try to like initiate a race?
2: Um, okay, so I haven't gotten really far into it. But when you're driving around in between in between races, mm-hmm. there are. Um, AI cars, like there's the, just the regular NPC cars that are just driving to fill the fill traffic. Mm-hmm. But then periodically you'll see a car fly by or come towards you that has somebody's gamer tag above them. Oh, okay. Now that's not actually them. That is the game driving as them. Okay. So it takes the way they drive in the game and puts it into everybody else's game so like i have ryan driving i'll pass ryan every now (laughs) and again or i'll pass my brother but it's not i know it's not really ryan okay
1: you know what i mean so Uh, probably because the game is making me drive awesome
2: (laughs) but when i get into races it's all everybody i'm competing against are people from my my game uh from my friends list so it just fills it all out. It makes it kind of more.
0: Partner. So are you competitive at all with it? Like, do you try to win races, or do you just like tooling around in the car?
2: Um, I don't do much tooling around the car because I don't know much about tooling around cars.
0: I oh, when I say tooling, <laughs> I just mean driving yeah. around. I don't mean fixing them. Oh,
2: okay. No, I mean you got to <laughs> kind of have to do races because that's how you get your experience. <clears throat> right, that's how you earn money to buy other cars. Um, but uh. But yeah, when I, I, try to, I try to do my best to win them, but it honestly, you still earn, you'd still get something even if you don't. Right. And you can, you can, um, dial in the difficulty anyway. they got a whole bunch of settings that you can adjust to make it easier or make it harder. And if you do that, you get more experience. If you go harder, you get less experience if you go easier, but it makes it more fun and enjoyable. Um, there's a ton of customization in the game, and it just—it looks really good.
0: Yeah, racing games are usually like the litmus test for the next generation. That's all they always like, literally wheel out a, a a car like the the best render they can come up with the current system, and it really sells like how far the graphics have come.
2: But the, what really makes makes me like the Forza Horizon games is because is the fact that it's open world. Right. The fact that in between, in between races, I could go around and drive around, do whatever I want. I, there's hidden jumps. There's hidden uh, barriers that you can run over that give you extra. There's some hidden cars. There's um, So basically, each race is kind of like a quest in an open world RPG game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just you're driving around in a car instead of on a horse or running around. It's just, they really brought that element to it. And it's, it's fun.
0: Yeah, I, I have liked it in the past. So there's a Burnout Paradise. It's like,
2: that is a good comparison.
0: Yeah. So I played that and it's got exactly what you're describing. Kind of like an emergent open world situation. And I did like that. And I actually did like even like the Sim, uh, Gran Turismo stuff back in the day, but I like that less now. So I don't know. Um,
2: it, is it on Game Pass? Yes. Okay. Microsoft day one release. Yeah. Man, that's just uh, so hard to argue. Xbox. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> <laughs> so, Give I mean, yeah, really, yeah, there's really no reason to not yeah, try it. It's
0: a hell of a business model.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to just kind of touch on, I'm still playing it, uh, the, the Dark Pictures, uh, Man, Man of Medan. The, the thing is, <laughs> I'm trying to play it. The problem is uh usually when i'm playing up in the on the xbox i'm also watching my little one mm-hmm. and even though she's watching bluey she can't help not but look up at the screen when when somebody's getting murdered <laughs> and then <laughs> freaks out so i feel like i can't i can't really play that
0: one when she, if we uh, could watch uh, predator and like robocop when we were eight years old she can handle that i assure you <laughs> <laughs>
2: the other the other one i wanted to talk about is it's a game called it takes two mm-hmm. it's i've uh, heard a lot a about co-op. it co-op it's a co-op game i'm playing it with my daughter olivia and it's local co-op so you can have split screen each person uh takes on the role of um a little doll and the premise behind the game is kind of depressing it is very depressing the parents are getting a divorce and the little girl gets they tell the little girl and the little girl gets upset she goes and out into the the shed which is she's she's very a creative young girl and she has a space in the shed that that she kind of made her own Mm -hmm. and that she can hide in and she starts crying and the tears land on these dolls that she's made that look just like her parents Mm -hmm. and they come to life and but when they come to life it's like they it's her parents so like her parents are now asleep
0: in the house but they're awake they're inhabiting Um, these dolls basically yeah and so yeah the story is a little the thing i heard about it is that like gameplay is super fun and that, yes, like the indeed. mini games, are very engaging. It requires teamwork, and but what I've heard is there's like tonal whiplash because the couple kind of like bickers with each other in kind of a off putting way, at least initially. And that's the reason I didn't get into it or try it out because I really wasn't there for it. But people seem to think that like the gameplay itself rises above that for the most part.
2: I would agree with that. Um, I don't. I've, <laughs> I don't know how somebody. You know, I've never been divorced, so I don't know how that would translate to somebody who has playing
0: it. Like, Mm -hmm. would that be too too close to home? Well, it's not so much the concept of it; it's more like couples bickering. Like, you know, like you've been to a party or like a family gathering and you see that that couple that argues all the time, and it just makes you uncomfortable. And so, I'm concerned like how much that's an element to it. You know.
2: Um. It's done, and it's done in a uh, playful way, kind of tongue um, in cheek. Yeah, tongue in cheek. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, it gets better as it's going because the, because the whole point of the uh, of it being like it takes two mm-hmm. and being a co op game is that you're trying to you know they're work trying to work together to become to uh,
0: love each other again. Okay. So, hey Ryan, um, does Stephanie yeah. ever play games with you? Yeah.
2: i i was thinking
0: i was thinking this would be a game for you too
2: it's on game pass as part of the uh ea um play thing uh it just hit that like uh last week
1: um so i got one of the uh negative reviews says this game makes you mutilate a child elephant what the f made my girlfriend cry (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I haven't gotten that far oddly so. specific uh, yeah very <laughs> specific we'll have to see how, uh, when we get there um, no I mean <laughs> the, the the great thing about it is the gameplay mm-hmm. um, the puzzles and the working together aspect of it is challenging enough but not so challenging that you want to break your controller right um, like Olivia's playing it and she yeah I mean we work through the puzzles and stuff and she gets it Right. So um so far even the boss fights are 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 um are challenging but not like Dark Souls challenging mm-hmm. um but it it's got some really clever gameplay elements
1: where, Here's another uh, one. They said the elephant did not deserve it. I guess you're in for a treat, Mark.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. Prepare for tears guess, for years. I guess I'll uh, update you
2: guys next
0: week uh, on the uh, elephant situation. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I'm intrigued. But
2: um, uh, no, it's been really, it's been really fun. It looks really good. Um, and it plays really good. And my daughter really likes it. She keeps asking, "When can we play? When can we play?" So
0: nice. I had thought about it. You kind of pushed me over the edge. I might try it out now.
2: I don't know how. Game Pass? Yeah, it's on Game Pass. It's part of the EA thing. Um, It just hit uh, uh,
1: last week, or I think. Hashtag justice for Cutie the elephant.
2: All right. I'm over it. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I don't know how it would be solo, or if you can even do it solo.
0: No, I'd have to do it on p s five or something. It's on sale actually, or it was, so this game got
1: my never, girlfriend into never. gaming. I'm forever grateful,
0: yeah, literally my youngest youngest brother texted me today recommending it for us to play together, mm. so
1: oh really yeah, it's <laughs> it's
0: interesting that you did that. must be the game pass connection,
1: yeah, yeah. I can't wait for my wife and her boyfriend to play this together <laughs> ten of ten i g n, oh my <laughs> lord. <laughs> we've hit a new low <laughs> as a species
2: <laughs> um as far as shows i started watching that arcane uh league of legends on netflix really um it's really really good what it's riot produced um and i am i i my my reaction is your reaction uh, it's really flipping good. I'm okay. two episodes in,
0: and... I'm okay. Like, oh, I don't know how to process that, so I'm going to have to I know nothing about circle back letters. around.
2: I tried it once back a few years ago. Didn't li- I <clears> like <throat> it. Honestly, it's. Uh, that's about the time I realized I don't like MOBAs. But
0: this show is very well done. Okay. I mean... I'm surprised. Yeah, because that's a fan base. That's like a gaming community that is purely toxic garbage, so everybody i've known that's been super into it has been insufferable no offense to one of our five listeners is they're into it maybe they're the exception but <laughs>
2: seriously watch the first episode all right if you're not hooked I- after the watching the first episode then okay challenge accepted we started watching miracle workers <laughs> i don't know if any of you heard of this or seen this nope nope uh nope. so it's on hbo max it was it's also it, i mean where it originally airs is on tbs but it's um daniel radcliffe and mm-hmm. uh, steve buscemi and the fir- it's an anthology series so the first season is steve buscemi's god okay <laughs> and the whole series takes place on, in heaven and the, heaven is like a corporate corporation uh ran run by god all right and um, this has, like, good place vibes. Daniel, yeah, a little bit. And then Daniel Radcliffe is a essentially the mail clerk working okay. in way down in the basement. Uh, basically, what he does is he um, tries to answer prayers. Okay. So, okay. Um, but it's a Lauren Michaels-produced show. As well. Here we go again. And it's <laughs> very, very witty. We just started the second season, and the second season it's the same cast of characters Different scenario So now it's in the dark ages <laughs> And And Steve Buscemi is a Shit shoveler
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> So that's kind of, Perfect kind casting of tell you, uh, Exactly all you need to know About how funny and goofy this show is Okay um, But uh, no it's it's been Really funny there are half hour episodes As well um we we're we we enjoy it if you you kind of get a um what's that book series oh gosh um uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's okay. kind of got that kind of humor to it and wacky zaniness to it. okay so
0: a douglas adams or terry pratchett kind of vibe yes yes it's that kind of you. um what else have we been watching enough it sounds like plenty. yeah
2: that's about that's pretty much
0: <laughs> Both of you, man, you're killing it. And I played more yeah. Guild
2: Wars um,
0: as well. Where do you but... find the time?
2: Uh, well, I've been, you know, I work from home two days a week. Yeah, air quotes. <laughs> air. Well, <yeah.
0: laughs> probably shouldn't say that unless certain someone. Here's the thing: like mode. we all know that corporate structure is very artificial, and you know, you can get a lot of lot more done when you have the focus at home. We don't have the interruptions. You don't right. have the meetings. Like. I'm way more productive when I'm not being interrupted by my coworkers. So yes, ironically, yeah,
1: absolutely. When so. 10,000 people come to your door, you know, yeah. uh, it's so annoying. But But um, yeah. So
2: just trying to do something other than Guild Wars so I have other content <laughs> to right.
0: bring to the table. <laughs> well, you guys <laughs> are both I'm really succeeding.
2: Enjoying, I'm I'm really enjoying Forza, so I'm going to probably play some more of that um, okay. when I can.
0: That's cool how far are we into this? We're almost in an hour, aren't we? Yep. And it's now getting to you. (laughs) Well, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, So I'm going to touch on Deathloop Corner um, because it's the only game that I'm playing currently. Uh, Basically, I dipped into the other side of the PVP where you play as the protagonist character. And so it's an asymmetrical uh, abilities. So the protagonist character gets three deaths to the invaders one death so when you're in the invader and you jump into the protagonist's game um you get one shot to kill them three times before you get killed yourself mm. so the thing that makes it a little more difficult for the protagonist is not only is the invader after you but the entire level's hostile towards you too all the npcs in the level are gunning for you and looking for you Whereas when you're playing the invader, they're actually on your side. They just kind of mill about and ignore you. Uh, As the invader, I discovered, I'd heard that it was a thing, but I hadn't touched on it. If you see the player character scrambling around on the map, but the other NPCs don't see them, you can tag them and ping them on the map and send NPCs in their direction to fuck with them. Oh, wow. So that's incredible. (laughs) The problem is, though, like, they're all glass cannons. Like, NPCs can do a ton of damage, but they die super easily. So frequently they work to, like, run interference as I, like, try to sneak up on them and, like, actually finish them off. Very rarely do the NPCs do the job on their own. But, um... Having played the protagonist side, even with the added complexity of having the NPCs potentially hunt you and stuff, um, I found that I win every time. Because even if I get killed first, it outs the invader character, so I know roughly where they're at finally on the map. And it allows me to regroup and get them, because I have two more chances to do so. Um, I literally had like a 10 win streak on that because of that buffer built into it. So I went back to the invader character and um, there's just a little more tension there. Last night I had an incredible interaction where I killed a guy twice and then he got wise to me and was being very sneaky. It was kind of like sniper versus sniper. Like I, we were across the way from each other and I'd like peek out and I'd see him peeking out at the building and he'd be looking right at me and then he'd zip away and I'd zip away and then we'd, pop out at opposing angles like in opposite directions again. It was like two cartoon characters and it was extremely funny. It was like two like groundhogs like warring with each other. <laughs> and so he kept trying to set traps for me, but finally I got to a point where he was down to his last life and I was tracking him better than he was tracking me. And he ran into the this corner of the map that you don't typically go to and he got stuck like in a building and I started firing into it so he knew he was there and kind of pinned down. Well, it turns out there was a secondary exit that kind of takes you to a dead-end portion of the map. Like, it's if he had run back there, he would have been trapped anyway, but I don't think he knew that. So, I was just watching, and I was waiting for the opportunity for him to come back to me once he discovered it. Well, I just let him do it, and he, I guess he thought I went away. So, then he hauled ass around the corner to this the little dead-end... And as I'm watching him he explodes and blows into the water apparently there was random mines there that I didn't put It's so like he killed himself and it was incredibly satisfying like I just I laughed for like five minutes straight because just observing him do I could only imagine how enraged he was because <laughs> I have no idea where they came from <laughs> so but anyway there's like tons of little moments like that so that tension is fun but um outside of Deathloop it's not a game that I've played but it's a game that I want to bring to both with your attention it's kind of trending pretty heavily with gaming people this week uh, inscription have you guys both heard of it
1: yes I've heard of it okay I, I had not I, I pulled up the link in uh, look at the steam page now
0: yeah so for anybody listening to this that somehow avoided no- hearing anything about it it's described as a deck building roguelike escape room style puzzle psychological horror um, It's all the things in gaming right now, you know, (laughs) and the aesthetic is killer. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's you'd have to, I would say, pull up the trailer to look at it. But um, it looks like ostensibly a, a deck building game initially with just a cool vibe. But apparently there's quite a few twists and turns like the game evolves as you're playing it into other play styles. Um, and I think circles back around to the deck building. I think that's the the theme that binds all the elements together, but uh, there's a huge mystery element to it. So I think that a lot of people, I think we're now running the risk of uh, people discovered it and thought it was really cool because it was this unknown quantity, and now we're running into hype zone where maybe it won't quite live up to expectation. But to me, like I think this looks like a really strong game, especially for the price point. So now have you tried it? (laughs) No, no, I haven't bought it yet. Tonight was kind of like the night where I decided I was going to, but I Uh, can tell just 20 bucks, 1999. Oh, okay. So is developed by a single individual. Like he did all the music and art and game design, which I always think is impressive. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, just watch a couple of the trailers and check out the aesthetic. It's got kind of like this lo-fi horror vibe. It's almost got like a PS one or two era, graphical look to it but it still looks appealing in a spooky way it would have been a great like october game which i think is when it came out roughly
1: yeah the page says october 19th Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah i think i i feel weird recommending a game i haven't even played but i'm pretty sure i'm gonna like it so and i i feel like you liked slay the spire right ryan
1: yeah okay when i tried it i enjoyed it all right, so I'm not I, sure. I just didn't play it very well. I didn't get very far in it, but I did play it for like a couple week weekends, you know. Okay. So, probably like maybe I don't know eight hours or so into it. But yeah, I mean that's all I've got, Mark.
0: Not much okay. this week.
2: Well, um, so that that'll do it for our show today. Um, you can uh, reach us at our email, which is mostly wrong show at gmail uh, You can check out our show's homepage. Uh, at uh, mostlywrong.fireside.fm you can also hit us up on reddit uh, .reddit mostlywrong.reddit.com and also on twitter at mostlywrongshow so that will do it and uh, I guess peace out guys and everybody later haters See see ya